everybody, and welcome to episode number nine of the Chris Rose Rotation on John Boy Media. Look who's back from the Tampa Bay Rays. It is Tyler Glass now, the guy who shied away when I called him the ace of the staff. And now look who the opening day starter is. So you got to wear that one. I do. I know. It's a good uh, good title to have. I'm excited for it. But yeah, I mean, it was too. you called it too soon. So now, now that it's there, I'll own up to it. Okay, good. Good. Now yeah. we're all on the same page. I, I appreciate that. So how did they tell you? Uh, I went into, Cash just called me into his office and mentioned it like very casually, like Cash usually does, and just said like, you, yeah, your opening day starter, that's who we decided to go with. And I think he thought the pitching coach told me prior, and he kind of mentioned it, but like we never, they did it like very casually, which I appreciated. I kind of like that vibe more anyway. So it's very like Cash to do that. So is it a big deal? Like, do you get all tingly and stuff or is it not a big deal? I think a little bit. It's cool to like that they have the confidence in me to to go and do that. Like, it makes me feel pretty good that they like I'm the opening day starter. But I, I think more so of like I never not like I never understood the opening day starter thing. But you still got to make 30 something starts and you line up so much differently anyway that like it only really means anything the first series. Everyone has like different off days and stuff. So but yeah, it's super meaningful. I mean, it meant a lot to me, but it's still like, I got to go out and just make my starts, regardless if I'm like one to five, still got to go pitch well. What did you call the parental units? I told my, I th- actually, I think they found out from like online. I just, it wasn't like, oh, I have to tell my parents. I was very much just like, oh, okay, normal, like, cool. I'm opening day starter. Like I had a feeling and then they told me I didn't like call them or anything though. And we talked about it, but I like forgot to call and tell them, but they're like, Oh, we saw your opening day starter. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> Just like on okay. our normal phone call. Yeah, well, the, well, that's the thing is that I, you know, I opening day for all baseball fans is just so different. It's just like, and then day sure. two, we move on. We're like, okay, now we're into the season and we roll. So I was always curious what it meant to be named an opening day starter. Apparently for you, it's cool, but not like top notch, top notch. Yeah. No, yeah, no, not how not. I think, it, yeah, it's definitely cool, but I, it's very much like I don't want to get like all stimulated. But like for a normal fan, of course, it's like a big like opening day is so exciting, but I'm trying to just keep it even keel, like whatever right. opening, like first starter, the 15th start, like let's just try and go out and make it like I want it to feel like a spring start. I just want to feel like I'm, I'm prepared. You know where it is, right? In Miami. Yeah. You know what that means? No. <laughs> it means you have to hit. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I'm excited for that. That was what I was. If I wasn't opening day, I wanted to be like at some point in the series. So I figured out of the three days we play them, I was like, I'm going to have an opportunity to, to hit. So like, have you even swung a bat this spring? Yeah, twice. I went in like asked early on to hit and Cash was like, leave me alone. Like, go. Oh, you're not going to hit. Like, go away. <laughs> and I kept bothering him about it. And I texted him, too. And he texted me back. I was like, can I go get like an at bat during the sim game? And he texts me back. He's like, wrong number. I don't know who this is. He just tried to like avoid it. But I've been going into the cage with our hitting coach and like just doing like T work and front toss and stuff like that. Cause I really, I just want to not, I want to feel prepared. Like I'm going up there to, I know hitting is not like the number one thing I need to be worrying about, but like I, I have to hit. So I might as well go up being as prepared as I possibly can. But some meaningful stuff can happen. Like a game could be won or lost by me or like a pitcher in general. So like I just want to make sure I'm, I'm good to go in that department. For opening day i imagine there aren't too many active major league pitchers who have a three-hit game against a former Cy Young award winner but you're one of them way to yeah. crush r.a dickey that day dude <laughs> crushed him i had three infield singles <laughs> it was like the most 
cheap three for three. And honestly, it's still cool. It's three for three, but it was two infield singles and one like outfield blooper. He just just destroyed my hands. And I hit well, like one off the end of the bat and I think two jam jobs. And then I just beat out the first one. And then the other two were just like soft ones. But it was it was a cool day. I definitely remember that day. And I pitched like six innings and gave up two runs, which was like amazing for me in Pittsburgh. So it was like one of my better pitching days too. So is it is it how weird is it? I imagine that was the first time you'd ever faced a knuckleballer. Yeah, it was different. I mean, honestly, though, like I'd be I have a way better chance facing a knuckleballer than a guy who throws 100. Like it's still like around 88 and like I can just kind of swing it up there and hopefully it hits my barrel. And that's kind of what happened three times. So I was more confident to face him than I would like somebody else because, I mean, I can't hit like 100. But I mean, the velo is the hardest part for me. And that's like a relatively decent velo. Well, you know, we're getting a good look at three of your five hits in in 2017 you hit almost 300 that year you know i'm just you know i don't know if you can use this in arbitration moving forward but yeah. i'm here to help if i could have i would have but yeah i yeah, it was 294 i tell everyone that i had the highest average and the highest era in 2017 <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> wear it proudly my friend wear it no proudly. Doubt, i do seriously no joke i mean bro brawl told us earlier about you that you are you are a speed demon you get down that line in a hurry, bro. I'm fast. I, I wouldn't say my hitting skills are top notch. I can hit like decent, but I would say like the speed gets me through a lot. But I would say, dude, Brault, weirdly enough, like that guy can hit. He was one of our, like he was the best hitting pitcher on our team. Musgrove would get mad if I said that, but like Steve was a two-way guy in college, three-way guy. He was a music guy a sp- and a, a pitcher and a hitter. So it was a three-way guy, but he was unbelievable at hitting. He had a bomb with Pittsburgh last year, I think. Yeah, two years. A big one. Sure. Yeah, two years ago. I mean, monster. And he went to he went to Regis University out there yeah. in Denver. So that was a big deal for him. And yeah, yeah we had we just had Musgrove on the show with Brault. And you know they went to Grossmont yeah. High together yeah. in San Diego. They were the Didn't one two. Brault pitchers. took his sister to prom, right? Brault took Musgrove's sister to prom. Yeah, to, to a formal, and uh, yeah. they all went in a group. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing was, Musgrove's sister was into theater, just okay. like Stephen is. And we found out that Joe was like a champion tap dancer as a kid. What? Yeah. No joke, dude. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. The things you'll learn on the Rose rotation. There you go. That's crazy. It's probably why he's a really good athlete, too. Joe is probably one of the better athletes I've ever played with. I think the tap dance probably helped his footwork because he's a prefer how big he is. He moves really well. and He's very coordinated. So he also has the wide. He looks like he's wearing shoulder pads. I know he's, he's like a, I don't, I think he had an extra like dose of testosterone naturally or something. Cause you look at him and you're like, this dude is, he's got like yeah, bone sick. structure too. You're just like a, yeah, he's a big human being. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming your way uh, over the next several minutes here on the Chris Rose rotation. A good friend of yours, former teammate, Matt Duffy, who's trying to make his way uh, out with the Chicago Cubs will be joining us. Plus I'm having each one of the co-hosts in the Rose rotation break down a division in which they don't play. So Today, we'll talk about the American League West and some challenges out there. We'll also spin the wheel of moderately interesting things and see how you did on your homework assignment, which is, I've gotten a glimpse, it is top-notch. So far, I don't want to pat you on the head as being the best student so far, but you did a damn good job. I just nice. want to say that. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I made you happy. Yeah. Really it was actually good. your wife's idea, right? So I'm glad I did her homework assignment. Yeah, exactly. It's Mrs. Rose's homework assignment. It just happens to be on the Chris Rose rotation. So really, Michelle Rose should get all the credit for that. Um, Before we are joined by Matt Duffy, 
Uh, Archie Bradley is also in this rotation. And he said something very interesting about you when we had him on. I want you to bring this up to Tyler, because I don't know if he'll remember this, but uh, 2017, that same series, McCutcheon, that walk-off, Glassnell got moved to the pin. He was kind of in that rank, that train, like AAA starter, big league starter, getting rocked in the big leagues. We're leaving the pen in Pittsburgh. And again, I'm a fan of guys. I'm not afraid to talk about it or say it. And I told Tyler, I said, hey, dude, and mom, excuse me, excuse my language. But I said, hey, dude, you're really close to being so fucking good, Tyler. And I said, I don't say that to a lot of guys, but dude, I am such a fan of yours. Like the way you throw the baseball, like you're really close to figuring it out. And when you do, you're going to be so freaking good. And then I think it was the next year or he got, he got traded and look at what he's done since then. And it's not like I'm – everyone else said that too, but I remember watching him specifically, and I was like, dude, if this kid can figure out some things, like, wow. I remember that conversation. We were walking from the bullpen to the dugout, I think, and he went up and said it to me. And I was like, oh, that's really – thank you. Like, I remember watching Archie Bradley too, and I was like, well, I know, I've seen you pitch a bunch. You're very good. And you told me I was good. It was cool. I think that was in the time too, like, I started to kind of, like, get out of my own way a little bit. And I was like, my velo came back and everything like that. And then I think it was like – very soon after that, I got traded, and then everything started to go a lot better for me. What did it mean to you to hear that from a guy that isn't on your team? And he didn't have to say that to you. Yeah, it was super nice. I, I definitely, I like vividly remember him saying it too. And I was like, well, it's cool. And I think too, that was a time when like, I think I pitched terribly the day before, like something. I remember like I gave up a bunch of runs to the Phillies. I don't know if it was that series or the other one, but like definitely not doing well, like going up to that point and then him saying it it was very nice to hear like another little like confidence like it was just nice for him to like reach I could tell too like he could probably tell not, not the state of mind I was in but like I wasn't pitching very well and I had all this good stuff so he was just like I don't know it was nice of him to say something to me though it was cool have you had a chance since now you've gotten more dirt in your spikes to maybe you see somebody during stretch like somebody that a young kid that you might see is like a young Tyler Glass now a guy who's got the talent but hasn't gotten there yet. Have you sought anybody out or because you, you're, you're an open. Uh, I think the, the guys guy. in our camp that are like that example are probably in a better spot than I was at the time. So it's like, I think I always try to help anyone who I can help. But like, I, I really enjoy having like good conversation of like anything in baseball. Like if you can just kind of open up and let your guard down and talk about like what's going on, it just makes things a lot for me anyway, it helped me a lot. So like, I think too, as a young player, I think some, like when I would see a, like a big league, not a veteran, but like a good big leaguer in the clubhouse, I was very like, Ooh, that's crazy. And if they were to say anything to me, it was very like, Oh, this is like kind of a special moment. So I do try like with the minor leaguers, like if they are around or anything like to have conversations and the pirates used to do this thing called chalk talk. And it was like, they would bring seven big leaguers over. And if you wanted to, it was like a big panel and you'd just sit in there and ask any question you wanted. And it was basically just like, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I talked to the Rays about it. I was like, we should do this too. And our mental conditioning guy would be the guy to set it up. And he really likes that idea too. He'd heard about it before. And with COVID, it's a little bit more difficult, but I do think like that's the best vehicle to like help someone get out of their own way or just figure out some stuff, like just kind of having that like open forum. So, but yeah, it's very important to me, I think anyway. Yeah, you were probably on both ends of that for Pittsburgh. You were probably the yeah. young kid listening to the veterans come over, and then you were probably one of the guys at the table of seven. Yeah, I actually got to do it with them. Yeah, it was cool. Like, I remember the first time we did it in the minor leagues, I was like, this is the coolest thing. And some people were like, this is dumb. And the Pirates, like, we had to stay at Pirate City. 
and we had our curfew and we had a million meetings. So guys already had the idea of just like, it was an optional meeting. Like you didn't have to go to, which was unheard of with Pittsburgh because we had a million meetings all day long. So people already had like, oh, okay, another fucking meeting. Here we go. But I remember like seeing it being like that, that's cool. And I was just like a fly on the wall sitting in there. And every time we had a chalk talk, even if it was the same guys I was in there and they all, the guys were always so cool and they made all the guys feel so like welcomed. And it was, it was always like a very cool. It was one of the, the good meetings, not like I'm talking shit or anything, but like we had a lot of meetings and that was the one I looked forward to. Well, was there a guy in particular, like, was it like, was it Kutch that would come down? Was it Garrett Cole? Like who would. Kutch was there for one of them. It was always like, dude, the one I remember the most was AJ Burnett. Cause I was very much like he had such a confident demeanor to him. And like, I was very much not that person at that time. And I, when I was, I've always been like a confident person, but I just like, he was just so external with it. And like, it was during the time when I was struggling and like kind of trying to figure out how to get out of that rut. And like, he just was so confident and like carried himself in such a, like a fascinating way to me. I was like, this is kind of interesting. And he was a, I remember talking to him a few times and I was terrified of him when I first got called up to camp. When I, my first big league camp was 15, I think. And I did everything I possibly could to avoid him. And he finally, after like a week left of camp, like got up to me. and was like, are you like trying to avoid me? And I was like, no, no, I swear. I'm just, it just hasn't worked out to where we saw each other. And he was so nice. Like he was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And he was just extremely friendly. And then one day he retired and we were in Philly. And he came up to me and like was talking to Ray, our old pitching coach and everything. And he came up to me and I was sucking. And he was like, dude, how do you get hit? Like, what is going on? And I, even that moment, I was like, wow, that's another nice thing for someone to say to me. And it was just, all, he was just telling me like, dude, you're going to be good. Kind of like, don't worry, but like, what is going on? Like, why are you not? And he was like very curious, but he was always someone I looked up to. And I could just, I don't know. He seemed like he cared a lot, which was cool. Were you afraid of him because he had his nipples pierced? I was afraid of him because I was afraid of him. Like, he was, you know, he has like that person out, like you know, the nipple piercings definitely added a, a couple notches of fear for sure. But it was like, you'd always hear stories that are like that he would, I don't know. He's just that like has that kind of personality, especially the day he pitches, like he's there to kind of do business, which I appreciate about him the most. So I was just like, I mean, better for me to just kind of figure out how to just kind of stay out of his way. But he ended up coming up and like, we had a really good conversation and he's probably one of my favorite like baseball players in my mind. That's awesome. Well, another really good buddy of yours, Matt Duffy, getting ready to join the rotation right after this. We will be back to the Chris Rose rotation right after this crazy free money giveaway from DraftKings. They're doing it again. Jim, baseball's back. Opening day coming up. That's You guys like baseball. That's why you're listening to this show. Yep. And if you bet $1... One dollar. One. On the team of your choice to win their next game. Yes. And if your team records a hit at any point in the game, you collect $100. Name a team. Blue Jays. I think they'll get a hit. Yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, there have only been 304 no-hitters thrown since 1876, and only one has been thrown on opening day. So, you've got odds? Yeah. And I take them, because it's a pretty good deal. Yes. Uh, you name a team. Giants. Take them. Lock. I was talking about the football giants. Ah, either way, this is happening at DraftKings Sportsbook. It's $1 to win $100. 
Every day they're going to have great odds and promotions. Top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSE. When you sign up, turn $1 into $100 if the baseball team of your choosing records a hit. That's promo code ROSE. To turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Minimum $5 deposit, new customers only. Winnings paid out as $425 free bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I've decided everyone should pick the Pirates because they might make you sweat it out the most, but then eventually you will win, and that's the better feeling. Promo code ROSE on the Pirates. And we're back. The Chris Rose rotation on John Boy Media continues on with a former World Series champion with the San Francisco Giants. He spent all spring training with the Chicago Cubs. Matt Duffy, a former teammate of Tyler Glass now down there in Tampa Bay. How are you, man? Doing well. How are you guys? We're great. Go ahead. You look all smiley, Tyler. Uh, how, how, am I involved how, in this? I thought I was just a bystander. I thought I was just watching Duffy do it. Or am I am I no, no, no. You're you're part of this. Oh, Tell okay. Us. I thought it was just like his 20 minutes. All right, now I understand. All right. Okay, okay good. I'm I'm happy you're part of the program. Smile so, D- Welcome. Yeah. Uh, hey everybody. Jeff, do you remember yeah. the, the first time you met Tyler? Um yeah. Yeah, I think so. I remember uh, it. Oh, you tell the story then. I don't know if there is a story. I think, I think this is all right. So I got traded over. And uh, I always like knew of Duffy just from being in San Francisco. I'm from California. So like watching the world series and what was it? Fifth, 14. So I remember watching, like knowing of him and then getting traded to the Rays and then being in the dugout. And we were, I forgot, I think he was playing that day. I don't know if you got taken out or it was a game you weren't there, but you were in the dugout and I went and sat next to you and we were just like talking and normal, like dugout talks are always like very, I don't know. So you get some good, some good conversations. And he was just, so he's like a, a really good dugout, like conversationalist. So we just sat next to each other and we we're kind of like going back and forth. And we were, I think we were just going about like how hard baseball was and articulating it in our own ways. And I was like, this guy, like, he's always been well known to be like a really like strong baseball mind. And I was like, I see, I see what's going on here. And then we just, I think our relationship just got like blossomed from there. And we were always having like crazy dugout discussions with everyone. We were bringing them in. It was the place to be in 2019 for sure. (laughs) Does that sound about right, Matt? Yeah, I think we definitely bonded over like just talking baseball really. And um, like you said, talking about how hard it was and the more you get into that conversation with different guys. And I think that's what Tyler is really is talent is getting people to open up, kind of let their guard down. And you have these conversations, you start realizing like, Oh, that guy stresses about baseball too. I can't sit there and watch a baseball game longer than like five minutes. I can like check in and out, but I'm like, I need something else to, to stimulate me now. So like we would always just have like conversations. And I think most big league dugouts are probably like that. Minor leagues too. It's just like you watch 162 of them every year. You're like, all right, what else can we talk about? Like while still being present in the game, but being like, all right, let's, let's make this nine innings kind of go by a little quicker. So what are we talking about? Like if we're not talking about baseball, I mean, you know, Anything. all the movies are like, yeah, let's scan the crowd for the hot girls. Like, it's got to be more than that. Although, There's a, there is that's... some of that. But <laughs> not, I wouldn't say that's like the majority of it. I'd say, honestly, I feel like with our crew in 19, a lot of people were like big readers and like like podcasts. And I think that's kind of how it, like long form is kind of taken over in like a new way. And Duffy's always been very like curious about a lot of stuff. Like, he knows so much stuff about so many different things. Like he's very, 
He'll get like, onto something and just like master it and be like, all right, next thing. And then like do it. So we would, he'd always have something to talk about. He'd listen to a podcast or I would, and we would talk about it. And then like someone would hear it and be like, oh, I can relate to that. And then we would just have this like flowing conversation all over the dugout. And like every coaches would jump in and like Snyder, our pitching coach would go in and like TC, our strength coach would like, it was just cool. It was just like an open forum of people just talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> you have random coaches come by you know, in like the fourth inning or something and sit down and be like, so what are you guys getting into today? <laughs> what do you got today? <laughs> yeah. So what if, you know, I hope you continue to play baseball for another decade, but if it stops, what's next? He could yeah. be a big league coach right now. I think for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm a pitcher. I don't know how all the hitting and infield <laughs> stuff works, but I guarantee like if anything, someone would hire you as like a, that whole like assistant thing and you come in and help out. But like, I feel like you'd be a big league coach. Or a coach in general, something like I think that would be the the move for sure. I think coaching is very interesting. A lot of people think that if you're a good baseball player, that automatically makes you a good coach. And anybody who has tried to coach even a little bit can tell you that is not the case. It is a completely different skill set. Um, learning how to communicate what you know to people uh, and speaking in their language is something that some people take their whole lives to master and are continuously doing that. Um, one of my buddies played for Tony Gwynn at San Diego state. And he said that he really struggled with actually coaching hitting because he didn't understand that it was difficult. It was very, you know, cause hitting came so naturally to him. Um, so I think kind of taking on that challenge would be, it's pretty captivating for a potential avenue after playing. So, with that being said, your first big league skipper was Bruce Bochy. Was he intimidating? At first, because he doesn't talk a whole lot to players. And when he talks, it's kind of just like a, you know, he just sounds like a, like a grumpy kind of um, old school guy. Uh, I really enjoy playing for guys like that. I loved playing for Bochy. Um, he just loved it seemed like anyway for me that he just loved it when you, when you just left it all out there, you know, you play aggressively, you get your pitch, you take your, your a swing. And it's just like, and he loves dingers. He loves dingers. I didn't hit a lot of dingers, but just watching the guys when he saw, even in batting practice, just homers, you just stand behind the cage. And just like, oh, wow. Just love homers. I don't know. I just, I just like playing for kind of those old school guys. He really, um, a lot of people thought he kind of coached with, just a hundred percent feel, but they did do a lot of homework and they, they did understand. Um, I mean, really he understood matchups extremely well. That was something that he played in the postseason. season. Um, he was notorious for that, like really, really good bullpen management, right? Wasn't that like his thing? Yeah. He was, I feel like that's such a rare thing too. You always hear guys like not calling anyone out singly, but like you'd always hear people say like, Oh, like our manager didn't manage our bullpen well or blah, blah, blah. Like that's always every big leaguers thing. And I feel like I'd never heard anyone say anything bad. Like, but she was always like good at that. Yeah. Um, that, that's a really tough job, I think. Cause if you do it right, it's kind of like a, Oh, he managed. The but if you do it wrong, then it's just like, it's easy. It's an easy scapegoat, but yeah, he had, um, he did a really good job. They, they called him kind of the big four in San Francisco. I think it was um, Romo, Santiago Casilla, um, Bobby Lopez and Jeremy Affelt. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Just kind of mix and match those four just really well for years. I guess it's easy to manage a bullpen too, and you have like amazing arms, but. 
makes it easier. That's true. Yeah, but a lot of those guys kicked around too. I mean, you know, they they finally found a home in San Francisco, but that wasn't where the you know, I mean, with the exception of Brian Wilson, who was really raised in that system, and, yeah. and Romo, I guess as well. But those other guys, they were multiple places. I mean, Athelt was a failed starter, right? There yeah. were people who thought he couldn't make it, and he ended up being a wizard out of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's so funny here. Like nobody wants to give. None of the players want to give Affelt credit because he's never afraid to like take credit for himself. It's hilarious. <laughs> he just <laughs> Affelt. Um, I think he actually had some. He battled some demons in Kansas City with just you know not having a good time with baseball. Um, I mean they they weren't a good team. He was struggling and yeah, like you said, really found a home in San Francisco. Um, I think Bochi was just a really uh, excellent. What's the the person who leads a symphony? Composer. Uh, Jeopardy. What is composer? Yeah. Conductor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like a train. I don't know. What is he it? He said composer. That was good. Is that the it? Composer. The okay. conductor of the symphony? Conductor. I think that might be yeah. it. Sounds more like a train thing, though. Train conductor. I don't know. We got it, though. We all know what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> By the way, Duff, I, I do a pretty good bochi. If you want to hear it. Yeah. All hear right. It. Well, uh, Pablo, uh, he uh, he's a good uh, good player. Always uh, one of my favorites. He uh, you know, good switch hitter. He's he's kind of the fat kid on the block, but he he's a good athlete now. He he can throw with either hand and he can run a little and. I mean, man, he, uh, he's just a good kid, Pablo. <laughs> That's really good. That actually was very good. How much time did you Solid? spend? Um, yeah, I've spent way too much time. I, <laughs> you know, all my siblings, for the most part, are older. So I just had a lot of time by myself, and I didn't have many friends. So I did a lot of impressions kind of growing up and just talking to myself. Oh, so it's nice that you guys are here to nice. talk to. You and Aaron, Boone, you could uh, you could get together, and he's got the he's got the the movements down, and you've got yeah. Come yeah. for a a poor man's Bruce Bochy. Yeah, was were you allowed to make fun of the size of his head, or was that kind of off limits? I'm everybody made fun of the size of his head. There was a there was so they run. Um, I don't know if they still do. I'm sure they do. They run commercials every year, or season ticket sales. I think. And the players and the coaches are in the, they're like the stars of the commercials. So they fly you out for two or three days, like in January to do run these commercials. And one of them was called Bochi's hat. Oh, I've seen that. Like, <laughs> it is hilarious. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but basically it was, a, it was just a whole commercial making fun of how big Bochi's head is. He was a good sport like about it. Oh yeah. He wore it so well. Oh, everybody. I mean, that's kind of the nature of clubhouses, a, a good clubhouse anyway, is just like everybody wears each other out and you just take it and then you dish it back. Um, yeah, that's I mean, I think the good clubhouses that I've been in have some degree of that. Um, yeah, I don't think you find many clubhouses with people with like thin skin, too. I feel like the reason that they're big leagues, not because like thick skin makes you get a baseball, but I feel like you're exposed to all that for so many years in the minor leagues when you're in like 
the shittiest low a town ever like you need to figure out how to have a sense of humor because like, you have to laugh at all the boring awful things that are happening <laughs> yeah and you're dealing with hecklers like with there's like you know 200 people in the stands and there's one heckler just wearing you out and you can't you know you're just alone no baseball player within 60 70 feet of you it's like he's definitely talking to you and then you get three ground balls hit at you right away it's like yeah where would yeah. that what would they target for you i'm i'm going to assume they would call you skinny i think that's oh, worth it <laughs> cheeseburger. Yeah. that's always, there that's always the that's always we're in new york and somebody was yelling at me to eat a cheeseburger so i picked up all the weights in the on deck circle put them all on my bat and i started doing bicep curls <laughs> and they got a kick out. I, I like trying to turn hecklers into fans yeah I, that's a good one. I bet some people did some hecklers in Boston. It was like, felt like it was 20 degrees out. I traded them some hand warmers for some hot chocolate. Uh, I bet another one, a hot dog that I hit a dinger. Yeah. And it's fun dealing with hecklers. Did you, you bet somebody a, a hot dog that you'd hit a dinger? Yeah. And I hit a dinger actually. Um, the center off of, I think, one of, Carson Smith, maybe. Um, but I was so ecstatic because I don't hit a lot of homers. Uh, I just blacked out and I completely forgot about the hot dog. <laughs> how do you not? How do you not cash in on that? I mean, you bet somebody. Get your hot dog, Matt. I don't do it enough. I I just euphoric when I hit a homer. You know? Yeah, no doubt. Oof. Hot dog doesn't doesn't match up to the same feeling. Yeah, of homer. it's a hot dog. You keep your hot dog. I want my homer. <laughs> <laughs> Glass, can you hear them when you're warming up in the pen? Or are you just so tunnel vision that you don't hear them? It's weird because like I wouldn't even consider myself like tunnel vision, but I'd never really hear people like, did you hear those people doing that? And I was like, no, I no. Sometimes I'll hear them like if it's a really quiet game, you can like hear people having conversations in the in the outfield. But like I don't really hear them, like I don't like hone in on it, I guess. There's been a couple of times in the bullpen and whatnot, but like you already have such a routine of what you're doing, like you don't, even if you hear them like you don't really put any like attention onto it. I've never had an experience where someone has been like really crazy or like wild. So I'm sure if somebody went like over the top, I would probably notice it, but like, I've never had any crazy like heckler experiences. Matt, when you got called up to the giants in 2014, that is a veteran laden clubhouse. When you walk in on day one, were you like, well, I mean, was it scary? Was Terrifying. it exciting? What? I hadn't had a big league camp either. So it wasn't like, Hey, good to see you guys. Kind of again. Remember me? It was like, hi, it's the trade deadline. You guys thought you were going to get a big bat. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 165 pounds. I promise I can hit a little bit. Um, I think some, some were a little disappointed. Um, it worked though. You raked. I did. Okay. Um, was the year you raked. right when I got called up, um, Joe panic really caught fire. Uh, we were supposed to platoon a little bit. And I think we kind of platooned for like a week. Um, and yeah, he really caught fire after that. It was like, felt like he got three hits every day. Um, that was awesome. Cause he really solidified the lineup. And then I kind of stepped into like a first, second guy off the bench role, like pinch hit sack bunt double switch type thing. Um, and it really worked out, really worked out well. Um, 
but yeah, I was, I was terrified, completely terrified. Cause these are dudes that, you know, I got drafted in 12. So I watched them all win a world series and, um, yeah, obviously dudes that you watch on ESPN and MLB every day. It's like, it's like, Whoa, like I'm, how did I end up here? Especially with that team. Like that's like, that was what the big leagues was then. Like that was a lot of guys with like kind of high payroll, like not big egos, but like you, everyone knew who those guys were. And it was like you, all the stories I've heard, all the craziest ones are always from the giants. Like it's just such a like crazy kind of atmosphere there that it probably would have been like, I'm sure if anyone could handle that, you probably did it well. I think if I got called up to that team, I think I would have, I don't know how, how well I would have done. <laughs> I don't know. I Why mean, do you say that? Cause I got called up with the, to Pittsburgh, like the like a mellow team and sucked. Like that was even tough for me. Like when I got called up, it was very much like, oh, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Like I kind of lost who I was then. And I could only imagine if I was in the Giants, I'd be like, I really don't want to piss anyone off here. Like, I guess I was too naive for that thought. You also don't carry yourself as like, it, like I'm not saying I do, but like, I feel like you're not like a, you're an easy person to like root for. You know what I mean? I don't think you'd go in there and like you have feel, so you're not going to walk in and just go, what's up? I'm Duffy. Like, yeah, I was breaking on un- unwritten rules left and right. Like I had, I was in the training room too late one day and, and Buster pulled me aside and was like, Hey, um, I don't care about this, but some guys do like show up earlier. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think Horrible. of San Fran that like the, all the little rules you break and you don't even know you're breaking them. That's what I think. Yeah, that's yeah. That happened for sure. No doubt. So who's who's there to teach you? Was it Pence? Was it Posey? Was um, it Mad Bum? What like who who taught you? And definitely, how did it unfold? Definitely Buster and Hunter for sure. Hunter was the first one that was like on my first day. It was like, hey dude, like welcome. Um, we're pumped to have you. You belong here and we need you. Like that was him to say we need you was like a big um that was kind of a, a like okay, like this guy who is a stud and I look up to is saying that they need me. So I must be here for a reason. So I belong, I guess. Um that kind of helped me relax a little bit. And then Buster was the one that was kind of a little bit took my wing with like hitting, talking hitting. And then rules that breaking <laughs> you have the ring right in storage or it's in a safe oh yeah didn't some what got stolen of yours it was a bat um some cleats wore that postseason um i scored from second on a pass ball in st louis those cleats got stolen um uh, the Willie Mack award that I had won the following year got stolen. It was like some very specific stuff. The team, the, the World Series signed back by like the whole team and the coaching staff that was stolen. Yeah, I was gutted. I had a storage unit that hindsight probably shouldn't have been in my name, but um, it was. And there was cameras and security and stuff, but. Um, it was an inside job, dude. I thought it was because the, the manager said that he called me and left a message and I didn't get a missed call. I didn't get a message. They went into my locker only and took very specific things. It was weird. It was really weird. But I ended up getting the Willie Mack 
replaced um, the shoes and the bat. Probably sit in some or dump. Just mail it, mail a bat to all the other guys, um, all the players <laughs> on the team. Just to go to like thirty different places. I don't know. The memories are worth a lot more, and I don't know. No doubt. Wanting to go through all that. Man, that's that's a that's a little disheartening. Uh, I want to talk tough. about something a little uh, a little better for you, experience wise. You were a teenager when you met Evan Longoria. Yeah, I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school. I was taking. Let's see, my dad had contacted uh, Long Beach State's head coach and and asked him if they had any infield guys that would want to kind of basically do lessons. Freshman in high school and defense definitely was the thing that I lacked. Um, so he would just start reaching out, and their assistant coach ended up doing some lessons with me. And we would do them after after they practiced on their practice field by the pyramid at Long Beach. And um, one day, Evan, they were finishing practice, and he dropped his stuff and was like, "Hey, mind if I turn some double plays with you guys?" So I was like, "Yeah, like he's fresh off of a Cape Cod MVP, wants to go on the first you know, like the local stud. And uh, I was juiced. Like afterwards, my dad walked up. I was like, dad, do you know who that was? Super pumped. Evan didn't remember it, but I did. <laughs> of course not. And then, and then a couple of years later, we're living at his house. Yeah, we lived, we lived at his house together. What? In 19, we rented Longo's house in St. Pete and lived there. You, you rented his house? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he was a Ray for a long time, and then he wasn't using the house, and Duffy knew him, and then he ended up like letting us rent his house out for a pretty good deal too, if I might add. Because I'm renting a place out now, and his house is nicer, and we paid a lot less for it. The sweet house. It was very cool. So wait a second, you guys were roommates? I'm just finding this out. Yeah, that's yeah. What we, I thought. Did, oh, I didn't tell you that. Yeah, we were roommates in 19. <laughs> yeah, so oh, those conversations would continue after the game in the backyard chilling until two o'clock in the morning just talking about our stresses <laughs> it was fun we'd always have like a bunch of guys come over it was cool like it's i think that's like what made us mesh too and like as a team like you, we did stuff outside of the field together like we always have people just like come over and hang out and then it was yeah it was a good year for sure it was, fun it was a good clubhouse man. that's a, that was a rare clubhouse. Um, yeah it is yeah what, what they got who came over everybody the clubhouse is it's still pretty not the same team. We got a lot of different people, but like the Rays do a really good job of like facilitating that. Like they have it's very much like it's just like a very cohesive group. Like there's no weird like front office like or like like animosity between players and coaches. Everyone just like works together. And it's weird that everyone just kind of like you're kind of judged off of how you are as a person as opposed to like what you are as like a baseball player. So hmm. they do they find some pretty quality people and just like everything kind of works out. By the way, what's the coolest part of Longo's house? backyard cool. yeah it's all right on the water in st pete so looks out towards tampa it's a pretty sweet spot yeah you can like wake up in the morning and like go into the ocean and hang out and then go to the field it's it, you feel a lot better going like oh for four or giving up seven runs and in two innings when you can go back and like ah oh, and kind of decompress here a little bit so that Rip. was like the first time in my in my baseball career where i actually like stayed in a nice place too I remember being like, ooh, I kind of feel like I should do this instead of staying in crappy cheap places. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, before we, uh, before we let you go for the, uh, for the day, um, we're going to spin the wheel of moderately interesting things. 
And uh, you guys can each answer. Here we go. Oh, boy. Let's play two. That means it's another question from either John Boy or Jake. And the last time we had to answer one of those, we got nearly into trouble. So here we go. Let's see what the question is. Would you rather share a hot dog with Babe Ruth or your great-grandfather? In what way? Like, was it like a tandem share? Like, what do you, like, I don't understand the question. meet in the middle, necessarily. Oh, I guess it's more of just like the sentiment. Babe Ruth or my great-grandfather? Babe Ruth. Sorry, grandfather. I mean, how many times, how many people have eaten a hot dog with Babe Ruth? Not a lot of people have probably eaten a hot dog with my great-grandfather either, but Babe Ruth is probably cooler than them. I think Babe Ruth is well. It's got to be Babe Ruth. Yeah. I want to just see, like, him move. For real. I want to be like, can you hit now? Probably. I mean, if you hit that many home runs, like, if, like the guy would have done well. But I would want to see, like, are you catching up to 101? <laughs> like, how are you getting that around? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, Adam Adovino said he'd strike out Babe Ruth on three pitches. So... Maybe. I bet if Babe had enough time to acclimate, he'd probably be – he'd be a baller. He'd figure it out. He's a competitor. It's all relative, you know? Yeah. Very true. I think that's true, too. In his time, and you stick him as a kid now, you know, make him a four-year-old again. Say, hey, get his yeah, – He's got that – You know how many – Ball. Yeah. You know how many hits he's going to get taken away in the shift? I mean, really. That's a good point. Let's be honest. The weight off and put some bumps down. I mean, you can't shift a homer, though. You got hit like 700 of them. What do you mean? Like, he still is like. <laughs> That's true. Think of a Yankee Stadium with a little league right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Matt, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, thanks for doing that. And, of course, every guest here on the Chris Rose rotation does receive a, a parting gift. And you mentioned your affinity for your first big league manager. So we'll leave you with this. Uh, Matt, uh, Boach here, uh, you know, whatever you end up doing in life, uh, uh, whether it's, uh, raising cats or playing baseball or, you know, you're, you're going to be great at it because you work so hard and, you know, you're so special on that, uh, uh, was it 2010 or no, no, 12, no. 2014 team so you know just keep doing it and don't don't call me if you need any help <laughs> nice that's great so you, you you can always take that with you i so, love that oh yeah matt duffy it was good hanging out good to hear you and tyler as former roommates which i didn't find out until about 25 minutes into the conversation but that's good My that's bad. good that's, that's all right that <laughs> continued success man thanks for the time thanks guys all right so um i told you earlier that each one of the co-hosts is breaking down a division in which they do not play so today you are covering the american league west are you ready for this i am all right first question is the team with the most to prove in that division between these three houston Oakland or the Angels? Most improved for this year coming up? M most to prove, not improve. Oh, most, most to, to prove. prove. It was the Angels, the the Astros, and the A's? Mm-hmm. I would say the Angels. I'd say it would have been the Astros last year. 
but they kind of they did relatively well i would say the angels probably have the most to prove i mean they had they have such a good team but like and they just haven't done well the last few years like i feel like if they somehow just mesh and put it all together like i don't know how they wouldn't be really good but baseball yeah. pickle beast <laughs> So, you know, they added a bunch of guys. Uh, Alex Cobb, I'll be interested yeah. to see if he can stay healthy because, I mean, you know, he was nasty. When he was in Tampa, dude. Yeah, gross. I, he, I saw highlights of him this spring, too. He looks pretty nasty. Like, he looks mm -hmm. like he's – I think he's healthy. He's feeling good. So, I think he's going to come out and do really well. You know who's thrown great for them this spring is Jose Quintana. And, oh, you know, yeah. you got to remember, when, when he was getting traded – like the Yankees wanted him really bad from the White Sox that one year. He ended up getting dealt to the Cubs instead. Like he was really a good high-end starter. And then he just, for whatever reason, inconsistency, some injury stuff. Yeah. I think he could bounce back nicely. Does it? Here's what really pisses me off about this sport, which I love. That the best player in the sport has played three playoff games in his life. Does it? Does that make you mad or is that, does that, do you just go, oh, well, that's baseball? I just think it's like a, I don't know. It's like, what do you got to do? Like if you're ownership, of course you're going to try and like lock them up. Like, I don't know if it's like lucrative for their business or whatnot, but like he's the best player in baseball. So like if you have access to him and you have the money to pay him, like, why would you not? And then in his shoes, like, I think, I mean, he could have like, what did Arenado was very much like he, I think his priority was like winning, like wanting to go to the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. But like when you offer somebody 400 something million dollars, what is Trout supposed to do? Be like, no, no, I, I won't like, I, I, I get it. But yeah. I'm just saying that it makes me mad as a fan. It it, in what other sport, like you could argue who, who the best football player is Patrick Mahomes. He's not missing the playoffs in the NBA. You could yeah. say it's LeBron or Giannis. Those guys are not missing the playoffs. Mike Trout is sitting in the front row of an Eagles game the first week of October. Yeah, I know. That it is frustrating, but I also think too, like in baseball, that's the thing with it. Like one player can't like he's the one of the best players to ever live, and like you can only do so much. It is kind of tough. Like in basketball, you can have one guy can kind of carry a season all year long. Like it's just it's it's just too hard in baseball. And, I know. Yeah, I don't know if it's like how the CBA is structured or like how that is, but I don't know. It just seems I don't know. Maybe they they're not gonna trade him, but like I'm sure they no. could. <laughs> I think we should just make a rule that he goes to the worst playoff team and is allowed to play for them come October. Yeah. I, I just good, think yeah. we should make That'd it. That'd be really cool. Good. So there you go. Just so too because of his, like, name? Huh? Well, what you were saying? Sorry, I was just because of his, like, name and, like, where he stands in history, like, it would be cool to see what he does in the playoffs because, like, he's yes. one of the best to ever do it. Like, and he's still – how old is he, like, 29 or something, 30? Yeah. Like, he's still got a lot of years of, of playoff ball, hopefully. And for some – I feel like – if the Angels, too, like, get, like, I don't know, pitching and all that stuff, like, how could they not be, like, a crazy powerhouse team? They're so good. I know. I know. All right. This gets us to question number two. Speaking of Trouty, who is the second toughest hitter to face in that division behind him? In that division? Yeah. Who Correa. is it and why? Correa, because he's very good and he's, like, a smart hitter. He can make adjustments. Altuve's up there, I'd say, too, for me. He always does really well against me. Um, see, I, I want to get back to Correa and why it's interesting because we mentioned that, you know, all these amazing shortstops that are out there and he's always like kind of borderline ish top five, because there's some years he can't stay healthy. And there's some years where he doesn't do as well as it looks like he should. Yeah. Like what is it? What do you see up there when he, you're facing him? 
I just, I can like tell he has like a really solid approach and like, he's so stubborn in the way he hits. I feel like, like, I don't know. I've just seen him. So I like the playoffs just, I don't know. He, I think he just is like a game or two. He just turns it on when it's like meaningful and he has that like dog in him. Um, I just think he's more of like that team facing them. Like they would, they were kind of like, they would do whatever it took to score a run. And sometimes you play teams that are just like, they'll do whatever it takes to hit a homer. Like, it's just, you have that weird feeling of like, Oh, this whole team is trying to beat me right now. And then other teams you're like, well, there's a couple guys that could hurt me. But like, for the most part, guys are just like, not non-competitive, but there's just like a, I can't even like describe it, but I would just say like, he's, I don't know. I just think he's a good hitter. He has like the physical tools and he's also has like the mental approach to it too. I'd say him or Altuve. There's probably who I'd go with. Yeah. Good one. Uh, Is Joey Gallo the most likely guy in the division to rip the cover off of a baseball? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I played in low A with Joey Gallo, not with him, against him. And we went to the all-star game together. And I remember watching him take BP and we had a guy on our team, Stetson Alley, who's now pitching for us against the Rays, but he's probably one of the most freakish athletes who can hit a ball farther than anyone I've ever seen. And Joey and him were taking BP together in the all-star game and Gallo was putting balls out like 20 feet for, and I was just like, who in the world is this man child? Like just the biggest human being, like crazy athletic swing, but I've, yeah, he has the most pop of anyone I've ever seen ever, like with my eyes, for sure. Nothing even really comes close for me. Yeah, he's a, str- he's a big, strong man, Joey yeah. Gallo. He yeah. can play defensive end for a lot of 4-3 teams. Absolutely, no, no doubt. By the way, you've only given up home runs to three guys on rosters in the American League West right now. Do you know that? No. Well, I can probably tell you who it is. Yeah. Well, I'm not including the playoffs, I don't think. I think oh. it might just, but we'll see. Let's see if you if you got it. I mean, I think Calhoun took me deep, right? But he's in the he's in the National League West now. Oh, I was told when he was on the Angels. Um, yeah. Who's currently on them? Yeah. Bregman. Yep. Um. One of his teammates. Mariners, not the huh? One of Bregman's. It was teammates. the first game of teammates. Yeah, one of his teammates in Houston right now that you wouldn't think. Oh. Of. Guriel? Aledmus Diaz. Oh, yeah, he did take me deep. Oh, yeah, but he took me deep on the – when he was with the – who is he with now? He's with the Blue Jays, no? He's with Astros? Yeah, he's with Houston, but, yeah, it it could have been when he was with with the Blue Jays. It was when he was with a different team. Yeah. Bregman, Diaz, and who else? Mitch Moreland, who's out in Oakland now. Yeah. I didn't even know he was in Oakland. Yeah, I remember him taking me deep. I remember Bregman, first game of the year in 19, took me deep, too. Oh, he's pesky. Yeah. Good hitter. He is. He's a good hitter, too. All right, last one. Uh, Which of your former teammates that now resides in the American League West would have made the worst roommate? Ryan Stanek, who's in Houston. Sergio Romo, who's in Oakland. And Nate Lowe, who's in Texas. Probably Romo. <laughs> if I just, I'd say, but not worst roommate, but like, he's, just, he's, I don't know how, like, I don't think he's dirty, but I don't know how clean he is. Like in terms of like, I don't know, but he's, I think he'd be a great roommate to have in terms of personality. I'd love to hang out with him. It'd be fun. But I'd also be like, I want to go to bed. Like, so in that, in that way, <laughs> I'd say not Sergio Romo. I'd say I'd pick Sergio Romo. It's funny because when we had Snell on with Trevor May, they both played with him as well. And I think the question was, 
uh, who's that guy who, when you're trying to sleep on the plane, will talk your ear off. And they yeah. both, they were like, I think we're both going to say the same guy. And they were like, Romo. They were like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because <laughs> the minute he locks in on you, it's over. Yeah, definitely. And that's too, that's like what you love about him. Like our team fights, it was like cool to have sitting up and like have conversations. But like I said, when I want to go to bed, I want to go to bed. So I'm choosing yeah. Romo. <laughs> yeah, that's probably good though, man. He is a blast though, that yeah. guy. He is yeah, he is yeah. hilarious. He is hilarious. All right. Before we uh, let you go for, for the next few weeks, uh, we got to check in on your homework assignment. And once again, refresh everybody's memory. What, what the assignment was from Mrs. Rose. Oh, am I saying it? Or are you just saying it? Yeah, no, you can go ahead. Tell us. Yeah. <clears throat> it was, I had to find a short person and I had to ask them what their favorite thing about being short was. And then the thing yeah. they didn't like about being short. Okay. All right. So you, you found somebody short in the Rays organization. Here we go. He's with the Pirate. Actually, he's with the Rays too. Hey, what's going on? My name is Nick. I'm a major league clubby and uh, it's my 10th season. So I was asked by Tyler Glass now to relay my thoughts and feelings on what it's like to be short in the big leagues. Now I'm 5'5", so I would say that's a pretty normal height in the real world. But in a major league clubhouse, I am definitely usually the shortest person there. So I'm used to it, but it does have some perks. For example, I was bat-boying the other day for the Pirates, having a great time, and we are mid-game in the dugout. Gregory Polanco is leaning against a wall with his leg extended onto the dugout railing. So, player breaks his bat. I've got to get to the other side of Gregory in a hurry to not stop the game. Uh, instead of saying, hey, Gregory, would you please move? I just duck under his leg. I probably had two and a half, maybe three feet of clearance, but if I was a taller person, couldn't have done that, and the game would have suffered and it would have slowed down. Nobody wants that. So it has uh, certain advantages, but you have to get used to looking up constantly. Uh, you need a good chiropractor because if you're talking to somebody like Tyler Glass now or Aaron Judge or CeCe Sabathia, you're looking up all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't do anything about my height, so I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm just going to, you know, adapt and overcome and, and use it to my advantage. But that's my input. I hope it helped. And, uh, you know, short guys rule. Shout out to Dustin Pedroia. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the video. <laughs> Shout out to Dustin Madrid. <laughs> that is, that is great. He was fantastic, and and in, yeah. that is an A plus performance. I don't even have to turn this into Mrs. Rose. I'm I'm sure I can speak on her behalf that that's an yeah. A plus, dude. Yeah, he did it. He I'm sure he's gonna be happy that you you approved of it too. He sent it to me. I didn't even he sent it to me. I didn't even see he sent it, and I saw it like a week later. I was like, this is great. This is brilliant. So it worked out. I'm it glad is he brilliant. Did. There's just one yeah. problem. He thinks that in the in the quote unquote real world that five, five and a half is like average. It's not. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, you're short. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Okay. It's cool. All right. So he walks or he's, he carries himself around like six, three. He's got, he's got oh. a good presence to him. He's, he's, the I man. love that. I yeah. love that. He sounds, he sounds great. He sounds yeah. great too. All right. So your assignment this time, since you told us about that, you're just a workout freak and get the runners high and all that sort of stuff. We want you to video one of your favorite exercises and send it to me so that I can learn how to do it. Okay. All right. You know, that's actually, I can, I can do that. It's going to be like a PNF mobility. It wouldn't be like a weight thing. It's going to be like a mobility thing. Oh God. You're It'll gonna... be easier. It'll be good. It'll make you feel better too. It'll, it'll loosen you up. Really? You know, my wife is a certified yeah. Pilates instructor, by the way, and we, Oh. We have a reformer and everything, so I'm a fan. 
Okay. I like Pilates for sure. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do like a whole little, it has to be one exercise. It'll just be like the little PNF routine I do, like five minutes. Yeah, whatever whatever is good for you. I don't I don't want to, you know, once again, you're the opening day starter and, you know, I, I don't want to yeah, put too much on your plate. So whatever's good for you is good for okay. me. Okay, cool. All right. I'm down. Well, listen, uh, it's always great catching up with you. Best of luck, not only on opening day, but the first few weeks of the season. And we'll catch up somewhere down the line. All right, dude? Perfect, dude. Thank you again. Appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for tuning in here on the Chris Rose Rotation on John Boy Media. Don't forget to keep downloading that podcast and give us five stars. That's what Tyler really loves. And also check us out on the John Boy Baseball YouTube channel as well. And give us the old thumbs up. We'll see you next time.